0: back to the FPL Lounge podcast we are back to review game week 31 a game week not without incident my name is Chris Hopkins and I am joined by the Edison Cavani finish to my Scott McTominay's flailing arm it's Andy Case I feel like yeah he's already upset already upset about that one we've been texting a lot about uh about, about that disallowed Man United goal Andy go on I'll let you uh I'll, I'll let you give your thoughts to the listener on this one
1: well, yeah, I mean, obviously, have we have we
0: told the listener before that you used to be a referee and any, any anything about officiating is not it's not a wind up. You, you you genuinely do kind of know what you're talking about.
1: I don't know. I feel like you've probably mentioned it at some point. You you seem to have given a, given the listener like my whole life story. I'm surprised you haven't given out my like car number plate and national insurance number to this point. So I'm 100% in it.
0: your drama, GCSE, though. famously. Oh, there we
1: go. This is a good start, isn't it? This is a, this is a good start. You're on one to try and wind me up today um look it was never a foul right and we've been through this like you say on on text um I can kind of understand to one respect why VAR um has asked him to go look at it because you know whether you think it's a foul or not rightly I don't want to see VAR referee in the game it should be up to the referee to on the pitch to make the decision if there's any kind of subjectivity like that but like I mean Jermaine Genius I think said it on match the day too that when you slow it down obviously it kind of it's it's forensic it's like full speed as happened in the game the ref didn't give it it's just a natural movement right and so it's it doesn't get given as a foul and pre-var would never be given as a foul um even with var it it shouldn't be given as a foul so i'm not necessarily blaming the fact that we now have that that video technology but it's just i'd like to hope that a referee looking at that would could just body parts make contact in football and that was there was no sort of movement to to even to like push son or anything it was just kind of a natural part of McTominay's movement and yeah but so but besides being annoyed by that the reason my face turned was more so because you use that opening bit to say like something that's good versus something that's bad and McTominay didn't do anything wrong you should have used like the referee's decision as the as the like antithesis to the Cavani finishing there.
0: All right, yeah, I'll make some notes. Um, must, you must make sure that my, my opening gambit uh, pleases Andy every time. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, no worries. I mean, to be fair, at least I guess at least you got the result in the end. Like, Had it been a contentious one where you lost or drawn, then it would have been uh, a lot worse. and I'm sure you'd have been way more angry um, on, on this show. As ever, on our review shows, then, we will start by going through our players on the radar. We had quite a few last week, so uh, plenty to talk about there. Um, we will bring up a top differential a low owned player that returned pretty well this week and a blankety blank a high owned player that blank that was a bit of a tricky decision for us this week and um, we'll review our swimming against the tide and our captaincy picks which weren't particularly wonderful uh, before we have a look ahead to game week 32 so andy we grouped kind of three players in our players on the radar uh, jota trent alexander arnold and ian Acho, who we'd mentioned for a fair few weeks now um i think i feel like uh, before game week 31 they were also appearing in quite a lot of wildcard drafts if that was the uh, the strategy that fpl managers w- were going down um and two of the three had a pretty good week but even from even from giotto who didn't return um there was enough really to see that uh you know it was a good decision to keep him in and and i'm guessing for all three of these now they're probably coming off the radar and
1: going into teams yeah i, I absolutely i think so i mean i mean there is slight differences between them, though. On Jota, I'd say if you didn't watch the game, you might not, you know, his stats weren't necessarily, won't necessarily be amazing. And obviously he didn't return, um, but he just looked lively. Again, it's one of those where you matching up. Obviously, he has had plenty of returns, so we're not kind of worried about that over the longer term. And um, the fact that he started is a good thing he's um uh, but but he just looked great he was involved a lot he was lively he, he can he can be as effective sort of as the number nine playing really sort of on the defender's shoulder but also in this role that he played in this game does a lot of dropping off and kind of feeding and supporting as well so he's got so many facets to his game and i don't think there's any chance he's going to be under seven million in in next season's game so um yeah a, 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 considering he plays just as much as all those other forwards. We were saying this earlier in the season about him. I mean, it's an absolute no brainer to have him in because he's 5 million cheaper than Mane and Salah. So yeah, but, but with, with Trent, the the slight difference is I I think for me, there was, I didn't see anything in this game that made me lean more towards him, frankly. Like We've been saying, obviously, that his underlying numbers have been good going forward, and that's always kind of the positive with Trent. And given Liverpool's run, I do think they could well be in for a few more um, clean sheets. So maybe that those two things together are enough to, to, to make more managers lean towards him, like you say. But you know defensively he didn't look particularly any more convincing i suppose this is just one of them quirks of fpl isn't it where he doesn't necessarily individually need to be convincing defensively if the whole unit performs he gets the clean sheet points doesn't he so yeah um and then in not much not much to say really uh t- two more two more goals um seems to be just banging form at the moment some decent finishes and again his price is is just great for adding to your team so um probably all three off the radar at this point for different reasons yeah yeah, I
0: mean, I guess on, on Trent,
1: like he's going to grab headlines because
0: he got a goal, and I've seen a lot of um, a lot of football journalists, very well-respected football journalists, have used this, or pundits, to be fair, have used Trent's goal this weekend as 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 a, as a reason to justify his his should or that the Gareth should be selecting him for for the England squad and that his recent omission was was a mistake and, and all this. Do, are you seeing a little bit more? Um, I guess, of a return to form because ultimately we're not relying on defenders in FPL for goals. Trent is a player that will come up with more goals than the average defender and more assists than the average defender. But this goal in particular, he was way out of his usual position. It wasn't particularly kind of like even... even a typical Trent Alexander-Arnold goal, in the sense that it was on the left side of the penalty area, and he, you know, he he ended up trotting over there. I think probably from a from a set piece or something like that. So it all looks a bit abnormal. And obviously, anyone that has brought him in is probably going to be, you know, grinning like a Cheshire cat because it's the week where he has ended up returning. I mean, do, but I know we've sort of highlighted his underlying numbers, but are we seeing enough to, because ultimately he's still the most expensive defender in FPL. So are we seeing enough to to, to kind of justify this increased ownership or and just because of what was essentially you know a very low xg chance that he took at the weekend or do you think that you know we should or fpl managers in general should perhaps temper their expectations on Trent a
1: little bit well before i go into Trent, i just want to say chris i'm so proud of you chris hopkins because and this is this is going to be patronizing so get ready for it can't wait like when you know two three years ago i remember having a conversation with you where you were so so anti xg you just did not. You could not be having any of it, and now you've just seamlessly used it to make a really salient point in a bit of analysis. So, top top mark, and I'm glad that you've kind of come round to the idea, at least, of of what it is as a as a tool.
0: Yeah, I think I think I think my issue with XG was was more the people that started using it thought that they'd reinvented the wheel, when actually, as we as it's always been, it's just been a um a, a new a newish metric that examines how good a chance is mm. um it, but it isn't the be all and end all of, of of data and i think actually what's happened since people start to start talking about xg is they've looked at other numbers and other underlying numbers and realized that xg isn't the be all and end all but it's part of a, of a number of more kind of advanced uh, statistics that they can use to to you know have a better understanding of of the game than the final score which is fine but when it when it when, when it kind of first come about it was being used as uh, as gospel and i never felt like it was that so that i think that was that was more my reservation anyway enough about that more about mm-hmm. well let's let's ask about trent because otherwise we'll end up going down a rabbit hole of, of all the conversations we've had over the last three or four years and i'm sure um i'm sure i mean, sure the listener will love some of them but probably not not, not many of them
1: no true but and in last point on it is in fairness to you that that was kind of your your point at, at the time and, I, and i'm glad that uh as it's settled into the to the football analysis psyche a bit more people have kind of understood it better and yeah realize it's not saying if you've got high xg therefore you know you should you don't worry about the actual result because you've got loads of xg you know you still need to put the ball in the back of the net more times than your opponent ultimately and brighton are a classic example of that this season aren't they um but but so, so yeah fair enough to you but um on on, on trend yeah Basically, it was not taking anything away from him, absolutely cracking finish. I mean, any striker would be pleased with that finish, absolutely whipped it in the bottom corner. Um, but yeah, in terms of how good he is, it doesn't really, yeah, those pundits that you, like you say, making the point that he's now back or he should definitely be in England squad because of that. I mean, it would be a different conversation if, and I've heard this a few times, We I mean, maybe we've even said it on the pod, I'd love to see someone give him a go as like a Philip Lam playing in midfield, central midfield, um, like if you, I'd be way more excited about the prospect of like a Henderson and Trent or Rice and Trent starting in the Euros. No, no, not, I mean, not now because he hasn't. But if he'd had like six months playing that position and learning it a bit and th- learning the position inside of it, because if he's played in defence, although he's not the best defender he you know he could do the defensive aspect of playing in a pivot in midfield but then he's also got the passing and the crossing he could drift out wide so hopefully he wouldn't lose his crossing ability that would be one potential downside but you know if he had enough license to drift a bit if, especially if he was playing with rice covering him he could st- you could still maybe get like the crossing element out, out of it more so so then that would be a different a slightly different thing because it isn't so much about him being solely like relied upon as part of the defensive unit for keeping clean sheets but look yeah, like I say, it was a great finish, but I don't think that's told us anything we didn't know about Trent Alexander-Arnold Alexander in this game. So yeah.
0: Yeah, I think I think it just I guess a final word on him. It's still difficult for for me at least, and I'm guessing you as well from what you've said to decide whether his ability to pluck something out of thin air like that is worth the inflated price. And had it been last year when he was probably about roughly a million cheaper, then sure but maybe it's not quite and we haven't seen it really for the for the rest of the season so you know, Liverpool was eight seven or eight games left and um, how many more how many more goals like that is he going to score how many more returns is he just going to pluck out of thin air with his undoubted quality but uh, yeah you know, we haven't got we haven't got him, you know, his, his kind of 38 game sample size um, to justify that inflated price anymore. We, we, we're just talking about sort of you know the, the business end of the season. So, so for me, it's a it's a it's a bit of a risk. But obviously, anyone that, that, that did bring him in um, will be will, will be will be laughing this week. Um, let's move on, Andy, because we've got we did have quite a few players on the radar. Although this team, I guess, that we'll focus on next, um, I think we kind of mentioned Arsenal just because they've got good fixtures or at least you know coming up. Um, but priority the Europa League is uh, is clearly sort of Arteta's, Arteta's mantra going forward um, they made a host of changes against Sheffield United so it is difficult to predict their size at the moment um, so I guess it's fair enough that we kind of left them alone a little bit
1: yeah maybe I think the unpredictability will still be true going forward however it's worth saying that okay it will be against a, a you know ragged Sheffield United side this season two good finishes from Lacazette um Saka looked good he plays playing sort of as a number 10 which he hasn't really played at all if it much at all this if at all this season um and had a had a, had a few good touches in there in the time that he did play um so yeah kind of the, the the two more so Saka really that we were that we were talking about beforehand were probably the two and even Martinelli sort of looked decent I don't know what price he is um so so there's there is still a bit of a way up there if we if for whatever reason say Arsenal were to go out of the Europa League maybe then yeah Lacazette and Saka could well with their run look 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 like good options. I know off air we were also sort
0: of thinking about defenders and obviously they've they've got a few cheap options. I think Rob holding probably pretty cheap Cedric as well. Um, but you know, Sheffield United are pretty blunt as an attacking force and Arsenal won't have many many easier games than that although you know they they, they did end up with a clean sheet. Another team that ended up with a clean sheet this week was Wolves um you know we highlighted them again because of good fixtures their next four obviously they've just played Fulham but Sheffield United Burnley and West Brom um so I know you ended up going for a Wolves defender Andy um so I mean clean sheet job done really here but Wolves really don't look that great and all of their games are going to end up being pretty low scoring one would think
1: yeah I think I mean I, it was a it was sort of promising for me to to that that, that Wolves managed to get a clean sheet in this game. They didn't concede loads of chances and not really any decent ones, um, a half-decent one for, for, I think it was Loftus-Cheek. But um, I think the point I was making in the preview was that they are expensive. Like, the cheapest ones are uh, kind of just hovering slightly under 5 million at the moment, which, to be fair, is actually less than... I didn't realise that Cody and Sice had both gone down by that much so far this season. But still... um, it was it was kind of a concern because you'd uh, around 5 that's sort of the tipping point isn't it for I'd like some certainty around clean sheets really I'm not just chucking in like a, a lamptey or a Kufal or whatever for some hope of some attacking returns and um yeah, you, you weren't one hundred percent sure with the way Wolves has been playing this season, but but no, look, they they did obviously get a clean sheet in, in in this game, and actually, what it turned out for me when I kind of was doing my, I, I made a very rushed sort of last minute decision to do the wild card, um, and because I because of a sort of saved money with players like Ian Acho and like Rafinha and Lingard in midfield, I had a bit in the bank, and it was like, well, I could go even if I think there is like there was arguably maybe some better value ones at cheaper than, than I think it was size I went for in, in the end. But like with Wolves's run, arguably, you know, that they, they had better chances of a clean sheet and I had the cash in the bank. So that was what made me kind of go for it in the end. And yeah, I ho- I'm hopeful, especially with, you know, Sheffield United's performance this, this week, it, it, there could be more for them. Yeah, I think, um, yeah, obviously, you know, Sheffield United, Burnley, West Brom, like I say, are the, the, the next three.
0: I mean, you know, all, all three of those could end up nicking a goal against Wolves but um, but yeah I think on, on our preview we said that you'd be happy if you're spending that much money you'd be happy or hoping at least for two clean sheets I mean they've got one so so they're kind of halfway there already and the other end of the pitch for Wolves we did think about Pedro Neto as a bit of a potential option their best attacking player ultimately both on the eye test and in his underlying numbers this year he went off injured after 32 minutes so not a lot said about that I think um, Posants did put in a quite a nice cross for, for Willan Jose who did finish but it was ruled out for a very 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 marginal offside but other than that Wolves created so little that you wouldn't be relying on on any of their attacking players um, another cheap defender Andy that we've thought about and we have spoken about Liverpool already so we can probably brush over Nat Phillips pretty quickly um, he, Liverpool didn't keep a clean sheet but Phillips looked okay and all you're really asking for for a four million defender is that he starts and, and he t- definitely ticked that box
1: yeah, absolutely. And obviously Liverpool haven't been the best in defence this year, but they've had a, a, a um a few a fair few clean sheets. they would certainly be in the top half of the table for that. And at four million, if you're you know, if you've got a chance of a clean sheet, even if it's let's say every other game from a four million starting defender, then then you're laughing really, aren't you? So yeah, I think Liverpool have got the best run, we said, on paper going and from now until the end of the season. And so, um, yeah, a great addition for your squad, Nat Phillips, at four million.
0: Obviously, we are recording this uh, Monday lunchtime, so we haven't had the uh, Southampton game yet. So uh, the, I know we spoke about sort of Redmond and, and Ings as kind of last-minute or sort of last-minute one-week propositions, which could be could be useful. Um, so, so yeah, definitely worth thinking about about those. And then finally, Andy, we uh, we spoke about Sergio Aguero on the radar. And um, so much as so again, as you just mentioned, you did you did wild card this week, um, brought Aguero in, and I guess it's fair to say it hasn't gone wonderfully for you. Um, I mean, it's it's hard to really kind of analyse this because he was rumoured to be injured. Pep didn't mention it in his press conference. So kind of what can you do? I guess at this point now, with Aguero consistently on the treatment table, um, I feel like you're sort of once bitten, twice shy, and he probably won't be making many more appearances uh, near, near your side
1: no well there was a uh, probably not because it, it was a gamble um but I just wanted to do my, my rank's not awful um I'm just hovering around 100k at the moment but I wanted to try and make that kind of final dash towards the top 10k if I possibly could and, and just to give me a bit of breathing room in some in some mini leagues and I thought you know a lot of people are going to go for Salah I can still get Salah in, in in a week or two if it doesn't work out which might might, might well be my move now but um uh, just that Agüero, if I could just see Agüero, you know, Leeds have conceded so many chances. If he'd started, um, you know, two, three goals from him, particularly as I put the armband on him, could have just made a massive like difference at this time of the season. So I thought, you know what, roll the dice. Um, it's a gamble. And in some ways, if he's not going to play, it was good that he wasn't in the squad at all. Um, but. But yeah, obviously did not work out at all. And I think we just now, everything we said was that we thought this was going to be a bit of a procession for him. Apparently he'd been out of training for three or four days, which Pep hadn't intimated at all. Like all the rumours coming out of the media was that Aguero was going to uh, at least be in the squad and very likely to, to start because he hadn't played in the Champions League and they wouldn't probably be playing him in the Champions League much for the rest of the season. So really quite disappointing that it, it failed so spectacularly that gamble but I, uh, like I say for me personally I've, I've, I've given myself a, a way out um, which I'll probably have to take and yeah it, it doesn't look like he's, he's going to be anything like reliable enough to be able to, to use going forward. Yeah I've just gone back through my history
0: and it was my first wild card in game week six where I brought Aguero in and he played 45 minutes uh, limped off at half time and uh, never wasn't then seen for another sort of six or seven FPL uh, game week, so so yeah, I think it's uh, unfortunately it's going to be a pretty, um, pretty uh, sort of quite a murmur to, to sort of end his end his FPL career. You know, he's on 17 points this year. Um, sort of hasn't, has never been below 100 even when he's had injury sort of ravaged seasons so it, it does feel like a bit of a shame but, uh, but yeah such as, the, the, what's, what's the NFL saying when you know, quarterbacks just sort of fall off, fall off the cliff like you know the you kind of don't age gracefully and it just kind of all goes wrong very quickly and that seems to be
1: seems to be kind of what's happened for Aguero really isn't it yeah yeah I don't, I don't know I'll probably remember if you said it but I don't know what saying you're talking about but yeah that is what's happening for him So let's just take a quick break uh, and then we'll, we'll return. Welcome to the FPL lounge. Our previous show will always be out in advance of the game week deadline. So be sure to subscribe wherever you get your pods. That way you'll definitely have it in time to make some tweaks to your team. If you can rate or review us too, that would be great. As we're really keen to know what people think. Thanks for joining us in the FPL lounge.
0: Uh, let's move on to blanky blank. This is obviously the segment where we highlight a, uh, a high-owned player that blanked in this game week, kind of let their ownership down, and it was a bit of a tricky one this week, Andy. Partly because there weren't that many, there weren't that many blankers, uh, but those that did, um, they had pretty difficult fixtures, and you wouldn't necessarily be useful. You know, you'd hope be hope, more hopeful that they'll return rather than banking on them returning. Um, we're plump for Harry Kane here, uh, 49% ownership to just two points blanked against Man United. Um, I guess Andy would kind of pick this one, and we'll go through our honorable mentions in a minute. But we've kind of picked this one just because he would have got quite a few armbands. So I guess many managers were kind of hoping um, that, that that he was going to return. There was nothing really in his performance that suggested anything negative. Um, but more just of a, you know, we've got to give it to, got to give the, the it's not really a prize, we've got to give the the, the dunce cap to someone and it's just going to go to Kane this week.
1: Yeah, well, I would more so say that it's... Um it's because there was more to be concerned about um, for Kane than there was for Bruno. And not again, not necessarily because of his performance specifically, but you know, Bruno and Kane both had over a million people captain them. So, you know, the captain point would, would sort of stand for either of them, I suppose. But the difference was Bruno had a few good passes. He, a couple of what you'd call pre-assists assisting the assister and, um, you know was involved in united's kind of good build-up play whereas with kane there was just so little service so little creativity from tottenham we've seen it happen on and off throughout the season and as much as he didn't necessarily do anything wrong he just was provided with with so little um that you'd you'd think and uh, you know bruno came close to some returns so it's just one of those things if you're if you're an owner or a captain of him whereas with kane you'll be i i would imagine way more frustrated because he just wasn't even close to to anything like that so that that's why it's gone towards him this week and also probably with half an eye to the fact that Spurs have a double next week and there's probably a lot of people thinking of captain or maybe even triple captain for Kane or Son um ne- next week and 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 yeah it, it, it helps to just sort of highlight that complete lack of creativity from Tottenham. Yeah, agreed, agreed. I guess in
0: our own mentions then, you have spoken about Bruno already, 58%, two points. I saw a newspaper today absolutely slate his performance yesterday and I think they must have just been watching a different game or just seen the fact that he didn't score, didn't assist, and therefore he played poorly. But, you know, I'm fully fully with you. I think I think he he might not have been as standout as he sometimes is for United when he's sometimes United's only good player. Um, and, you know, obviously others performed pretty well alongside him yesterday. But you know, by no means did he have did he have a bad game? Um, and then a couple of a couple of others. Gundogan on thirty percent, just one point, but came off the bench and is going to be part of part of City's rotation going forward. Um, Diaz the same, twenty five percent, and didn't play at all. And Aaron Cresswell was, I guess, one that we maybe mentioned, twenty eight percent and zero points. He obviously conceded two two goals and got a booking. Um, but again, against Leicester, Andy, we couldn't really give him give him the you know the, the, the title of uh, of blanky blank this week, just because you wouldn't necessarily expect West Ham to have kept a clean sheet against Leicester, although they kind of did throw away a pretty comfortable lead, didn't they, to make it make it quite um, quite worrying for them at the end
1: yeah they did and I guess the thing even though even though he's playing for West Ham against Leicester and maybe you wouldn't expect West Ham to keep a clean sheet against Leicester ultimately at his price he's well over I don't know exactly what he is anymore because I haven't looked at him for a while but he's well over five million isn't he and so like we said with the Wolves players before frankly like uh if you're going to invest that much obviously with him he's had a lot of attacking returns this season so a lot of people's gamble there is hoping for some assists and stuff but and uh, you know it's a shame that for owners of Crystal, that West Ham scored three goals and he, he didn't get any of those assists. But, but nevertheless, um, you would kind of hope there'd be a bit more clean sheet potential for for that for that type of money. So maybe that's the only other argument why why it could be him.
0: Yeah, I mean, it might be one for us to maybe look at in a bit more depth. But West Ham seems to have changed their shape back to a, back to a sort of 3-5-2 again. I'm not sure if that's because Arthur Masuaku is fit again. So Cresswell seems to seem to me at least to be playing as one of the three centre backs. Now he was earlier in the season and still getting returns, partly because he takes takes you know all of West Ham set pieces. Um, but I wonder if that will stop him going forward as much and make getting crosses in from open play so it could be worth worth um worth monitoring that one i mean i, I did have masalakou in my team earlier in the year because he was getting forward quite a lot um so yeah definitely could be could be one one to monitor especially is if as you say Creswell continues to have such a high ownership um, let's move on to top differential and there was only really one guy that we could give this crown to this week and that's christian pulisic at 1.9 percent Um, ownership and 15 points I think he got a goal and and an assist uh, for Chelsea Um, but he isn't the one that really we we kind of would be thinking about going forward Andy and I guess that's more maybe to do with Pulisic not necessarily being um, sort of a first name on on Thomas Tuchel's team sheet.
1: Yeah, he's it was funny because obviously he had what you would sort of term as slightly a a breakthrough season last year and everyone was very excited about him going into this season but um, under both Lampard and Tuchel he hasn't managed to convince either to sort of give him a starting place regularly not sure really what his best position in this Tuchel formation would would be he's obviously playing as one of the front three in the in this match Um, so whether yeah, he's played at right wing back I think in this system before for Tuchel, so it's a it's it's a strange one. I'm not I'm not sure. It's, it's, he's in that zone where there's so many midfielders that are cheaper than him that have done more this season that it's kind of hard to invest the invest the money in him, isn't it? I mean, we're probably going to slightly. Um, you know, seem like hypocrites or contradict ourselves when we go on to talk about the other Chelsea player that we've got considered in this top differential. Because frankly, you could probably say all of those things about him as well. But there's just something about Pulisic where it just seems he's a bit too patchy and he's got to prove probably to FPL managers and his own actual club manager that he deserves a place more consistently long term.
0: I mean, you've used the word there, Patchy, which can probably describe all three of the players that were in our kind of honorable mentions that we considered this week. Lacazette at thirteen point, seven point three percent ownership. I guess he's kind of teetering on the brink of whether he's differential or not. Um but he was playing Sheffield United. You, you can't have kind of already said enough about him. I guess if he is playing through the middle, and we've always said this about Lacazette, when he is playing through the middle, um and he is getting the service from the likes of Saka and maybe Smith Rowe when he when he starts, then he's probably going to be a pretty good, pretty good option and isn't the most expensive. Striker ever, um, you know he's not as cheap as Acho and earlier in the season Bamford, but you know he 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 definitely isn't Kane, definitely isn't kind of Aguero either, or or even Werner. So, so yeah, he he could be it could be an interesting option uh, going forward. But but yeah, you want to you want to see the starts, and if he is Arteta's. Main main forwards. You know, is he going to play in the Premier League every week? If he might be resting him for, for the Europa League. Um, Jared Bowen is another guy. You know, he's probably got. Uh, I, I would guess, and I am just guessing, he's probably got three double-digit hauls this year, which isn't bad for for a player like Jared Bowen, who was playing in the Championship uh, last year. Um, but at the same time, you know, he doesn't do it enough Um, and I think you'd probably want a bit more consistency from him 1.8% ownership and 10 points this week and then uh, you kind of mentioned well alluded to Kai Havertz who is a guy that we were very big on at the start of the season and we're finally kind of starting to see um, his quality at least when he is playing in Tuchel's system 3% ownership and 10 points here he also missed I get, I, you, know, you could put this down to bad finishing or, or some good saves from, uh, from Guaita, but he missed you know, two, uh, two other very good opportunities. It could have been an absolute monster day for him. Um, I wonder if he might be, or if FPL managers are maybe thinking about getting Havertz back in. And again, Andy, I guess you want to see a bit more consistency and just consistent starts from him as well.
1: Well, maybe we are sometimes, and this is why players like Vidra and Acho haven't been on the radar as much as they possibly could have been. And even, and obviously, Madison—that obviously, that's particularly me—was was was holding back on all of those. But but Madison, in particular, of them them not being on the radar, and um maybe something we could improve going into next season is is allowing our hearts a little bit more room on on our show than than our heads usually allow because we're very sort of or i at least are very very driven by like the numbers and, and wanting to be kind of confident in a decision before we make it and um habits just seems like like one of those uh, as i mentioned before all the things about patchiness of form not playing regularly you know could could be thrown at habits as they are as we did as I did at Pulisic just then but um there's just something about him when you watch him play like he we were both you mentioned it in a a previous show that we were both sort of colored by seeing him uh play in the Bundesliga when there was no other football on you know in lockdown one last year um and he looked he looked great um for 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 by Leverkusen then and so that helped us be really excited about him coming out coming over here and then in this performance where he had that kind of graceful stride um, and he looked really heavily involved again it's just some it's an intangible thing isn't it something where you just you kind of look you and I over the years you know decades of football watching between us and and sometimes there isn't anything you can justify as why you kind of like a, a player other than just like you watch him and you think there's something about him like he's just I don't want to sound like Mick McCarthy or Neil Warnock here but like you just look you just watch him play and you think there's there's a presence there's like clearly an ability there he just looks a natural on the ball in a similar way to I would say this is slightly left field but like Jude Bellingham seems his numbers and his performances haven't all been like 100% this season for Dortmund by all accounts not that I've seen them all obviously but there's just something about the way he gracefully like strides around the pitch it's like this guy's going to be special yeah, something very kind of elegant about him. I think that that, that yeah, just
0: just catches catches the eye, and uh, and yeah, it isn't always the numbers kind of jumping off the page. I mean, you know, just looking up his stats this year, you know, two goals and six assists. Maybe the assists aren't too bad for the number of minutes he's had, but you would have expected more goals from from an attacking midfielder who's sometimes played through the middle. Um, you know, I don't think Lampard really got the best out of him. I do hope Tuchel Tuchel will, but yeah, it will be interesting to see um, how much I can see him getting quite a lot of buzz. In pre-season for next year, and uh, and similar to ultimately what he got this year, which led us both to put him in in our game week one team. So yeah, I wonder if uh, if we'll make the same mistake or whether it'll be a mistake, but whether we make it again. Um, Let's touch on our swimming against the tides this week, which was uh, Bamford and Rafinha being the third and fourth most transferred out. Um, We kind of felt that this was perhaps a bit of an overreaction to their fixtures, and this is a bit of a tricky one, Andy, because to sort of evaluate, I think we're going to come down that we were right because you know why wouldn't. come down on the fact that we were right um but obviously uh leeds got a very good result against man city um you know, winning 2-1 but their xg was, was was awful it probably by far and away leeds lowest xg of the season now obviously they you know it seems like bielsa kind of game plan for man city as you would um you know he he, he is a he is obviously a master tactician um, bamford did return um but i guess what I would say is that this shows that Leeds can at least compete they might not necessarily be as creative but they can compete and therefore the moves to remove two very good value players who have consistently very good numbers uh, both in terms of points and underlying stats throughout the season
1: seemed a little bit premature even though um, Leeds' XG in this game wasn't particularly high no and and you've got what you've got to remember obviously is that leeds got a red card after 40 minutes so you know they played 50 minutes of the game with only 10 men against the best team in the country who suffocate anyone even with 11 players so with 10 you're just going to get completely sort of smothered there and um it's not like Leeds were creating loads of XG before the red card, clearly. Um, so so maybe the pattern would have continued in the second half, but it's definitely had an impact, and that's got to be taken into account. Um, I, I would say, you know, watching the performance, Leeds, as much as they didn't necessarily have shots and chances, they were competitive. Like, they were still making charges forward and trying to get on the front foot as often as they could, and Rafinha was at the forefront of that. Bamford, Bamford you know, he had to g- got sacrificed because of the sending off. So even though he was only on the pitch for 40 minutes, he still... <laughs> returned and um you know who knows what might have happened had, had he played and 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 continued with the team continued with 11 men so i would say if we were judging it just on this one match i would feel relatively like we we were pretty much kind of right there um but like even on the ones where we think we're kind of wrong over the course of that one game i think we probably to be able to judge this uh reasonably we've, we've got to give it at least a, two or three more more weeks because our argument was about more than just this one game against city i guess yeah, definitely. And I think, you know, you would expect City felt, felt like their they're,
0: they're more difficult game. and uh, Definitely, as you say, you're most likely to stifle Leeds', Leeds' um, sort of gung-ho approach to, 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 to attacking. So, so yeah, it be interesting to see how they fare in the next two against Liverpool and, uh, and Manu, uh, Man United. But, but, yeah, you know, they've got previous against both of those and uh, could absolutely end up um end up scoring quite a few goals against them as they did earlier in the year let's round off then with our captaincy selections oh actually you know what i'm gonna you just one one well two words Stuart dallas
1: yeah yeah well obviously we didn't mention him as part of the swimming heads to tide but yeah absolute scenes two shots two goals um yeah i mean
0: I'm 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 struggling and yeah I know it's a bit, it's a bit of a trope on on, on on this podcast that I that I like the EFL ironically not watched as much EFL this year partly I think because we've been doing this sort of podcast all the time and I had to watch more, more Premier League football but I, I, I I'm not going to be able to pick out I don't think like a, a swashbuckling kind of fullback defender mid-stroke midfielder that's, that's going to have the same FPL impact next year um, obviously you know we don't know who's who's going up yet but you know Norwich don't really have have one that I, that I can think of Watford have been pretty Bad going forward for a lot of the year, and i have just scraped by with one nils, Um, and then it's kind of Brentford and Swansea, you're struggling, so so yeah, um could be uh i I'm, I'm not expecting any sort of anyone really to have the same kind of impact that dallas has had uh, uh had next season so yeah maybe maybe just enough stick sticking with stuart dallas although i'm sure his price is going to go up a little bit and he might get reclassified as well which would be which would be horrendous news for fpl managers um let's move on to captaincy this wasn't a great one for us andy um so let's hopefully <laughs> whiz through these as quickly as we can um man city assets we spoke about we didn't really know which ones. I guess we were kind of looking at Sterling, Jesus, Aguero, because they didn't play uh, in in Europe in midweek. Um, obviously, Aguero we've spoken about already. Jesus, he, did he feature? I'm not even sure if he did, but didn't hear anything about him if he did. Um, I'll leave you to talk a little bit about Raheem Sterling and why he just can't be relied on as a captain.
1: Well, it's yeah, it's not anything new that I haven't said before about Sterling, but I just think, yeah, he's... In previous seasons when he scored 20-odd goals, it's been because he's been getting tap-ins from pullbacks from like a Sané or an Aguero or whatever, that classic Pep Man City goal where they get in behind, run down the the goal line, you know, as in the goal line outside the goalposts and then pull it back. Um, it's the, to Sterling who's standing on the six-yard box to tap it in. Um, and ultimately, his finishing, um, his end product, his crossing, his passing in the final third is it, just not good enough. And that's kind of come into the fore now, when with City having to f- find goals slightly differently, not w- without the natural number nine and the kind of wide, outright wingers that they used to have in the days with the Sané and the Aguero kind of on fire. So... Um, it, it's really hampering Sterling, and yeah, he he, he can't be relied upon to finish um, of, of his own accord. Frankly, he, he's always been an underperformer when it comes to that, you know, XG and stuff. So it's tricky. I think I saw a lot of people did did go for Sterling this week, and um, I think they've they've been they've been burnt again. Yeah, I mean, nine
0: league goals this year, eight, eight, eight assists. And, yeah, it wasn't many seasons ago where, like you say, he was having double figures in both. And um, you know, he still might make double figures in both. But you know, these double figures were 18 goals, 17 assists, 17 goals, 15 assists. Last year, 20 goals, fewer assists, but 20 goals. And, yeah, this year, it seems um, you know, he if he gets into double figures, it's going to be by the skin of his teeth, really. And, uh, and yeah, he has had... Um, by all accounts, you know, if not a down season, definitely a down FPL season. Um, but I think, I think most people would probably say he hasn't been quite at his, quite at his best this year either. Um, we, we mentioned Salah and Jota as Liverpool assets that could both be worth sticking the armband on. Obviously, Salah returned. Um, Jota didn't. I guess he was probably a bit more of a risk. Salah takes penalties, but it wasn't a penalty that, that, that Salah did return with. Um, not really much more to
1: say really on this one, Andy, I guess. Yeah, not really. I mean, obviously, like I say, Jota looked looked decent and I still don't think it's a... Because the trouble is, there's one thing we can we can tell everyone how the captaincy went in terms of performance, literally how many points did they get. People can see that from for themselves, right? I guess what we're hopefully here to do to help with a little bit is like analysis of the decision-making beforehand, because you, you, yeah, everyone could choose a, a good captain after the fact, right? So, um, and I think still... That what I would say is that captaining Jota wouldn't necessarily have been a bad decision because he started, he looked decent, he was involved as much as Salah was, frankly. Um, so it's just one of those things where Salah got the goal in, in this particular instance.
0: Chelsea defenders, we kind of got burnt on that against West Brom, and I mean we mentioned it again. They, yeah, I mean they won four one, so you can't really complain too much. But um, but no clean sheet again for for a side that um, you know were, were getting quite well known for their for their propensity of getting clean sheets. And um, we, we're also still not sure about rotation with them. Um, and obviously we, we mentioned Alonso, but he didn't start, didn't even come off the bench. Um, Kurt Zuma did play and scored a goal. I wonder if he's starting to creep up Tuchel's, um, you know, Tuchel's kind of depth chart, I guess for, for centre-backs. Um he didn't play a lot when when Tuchel joined. I think post the international break, he started their last two Premier League games. And we saw earlier in the season under Lampard that with good delivery from Chelsea players, um, he definitely is a threat in the box from, from set pieces. So, so I wonder if people will even start moving back
1: to him. Well, he's maybe a centre-back equivalent of Trent Alexander-Arnold in a Chelsea context here in that he has proven he is an absolutely massive threat from set pieces going forward. But I think Tuchel rightly doesn't trust him as much defensively as perhaps some of the other options. And I think that's, that's fair enough. So, yeah, we'll, we'll have to wait and see. Obviously, I wouldn't necessarily assume that he's up Tuchel's thinking because he's playing in the Premier League against these like lesser oppositions like West Brom or Crystal Palace when they've got big Champions League games, which he's clearly not playing in. And, and that would be like the, the truer litmus test of what Tuchel thinks about him. I
0: guess, I guess, I guess, but yeah, even when Chelsea had Champions League games early, he wasn't playing in, in the Premier League either. So it seems like he has kind of maybe, maybe someone. Although obviously we, Thiago Silva is seems to be seems to be out of favour after his uh, recent red card. Um, Kane and Bruno both blanked. We. Group them together because they were playing each other, um, but we've kind of gone into, gone into those reasons. You know, I guess if you put the armband on Bruno, you'd be more pleased with the performance. But Kane, you know, can he's lethal, and he only really needs half half a chance a, a lot of the time. Also with a double next week, I'm sure he's going to be uh, in a lot of teams. And then uh, Ings was a bit of an outside shout. He's actually got my armband this week, but uh, TBC how he ends up doing. We will find out later this evening. Let's leave it there, Andy, and have a quick look ahead to game week 32. Um, again, as always, uh, big uh, Champions League, big Europa League, uh, w- sort of midweeks for for, for, for Ch- City, Liverpool, Chelsea, United and Arsenal all still in with a chance of going through. None of them seem um, comfortable. I guess Man United are possibly the most comfortable, arguably maybe Chelsea, but but yeah, not looking... You know, none... none you know, All got something to play for. Um so, uh, so yeah. And um, also, you know, Cup games coming up, uh, FA Cup semi-final for, for, for four teams and the game week is pretty spread out. Um, so, so, yeah, I mean, how can kind of FPL managers navigate this one?
1: Well, it's going to be really difficult to navigate it, frankly, because you're not going to know. But by, by the time you have to make your decisions, which is, I think, again, a 6.30 Friday deadline again this week, you're not going to know who started for City in their game before their Premier League game in the in that game week. Because they play and the same for Chelsea, Leicester, Southampton. All those four teams play in the cup semi-finals at the weekend and then play their Premier League game in the midweek, but as a part of this game week in FPL. So you you're you're gonna it basically it's hoping with those teams frankly you will have a bit of knowledge from Chelsea and City of who's played in the Champions League and whether they've gone out or not but there's still going to be a big cup game which you've got to think both teams are going to be sort of prioritising um, and so what that means for rotation for their next Premier League game like I say which is way after you'll have had to already have made your decisions um, it you you can't know so it's really really difficult um, there's um, I think a blank for is it Crystal Palace one team because Tottenham played twice there's one team who are on a blank I think this week and I can't I can't remember who it is uh do Palace have a game just quickly scan in no they oh, don't no, I can see no Yeah so 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 there are 10 <clears throat> 10 fixtures, but Spurs play twice and Palace don't play, a, play at all. So that's one wrinkle to, I'm not sure there'll be many people with Palace players in their team necessarily, but one thing to just be aware of, because if you saw the fixtures, you might just look and see that there's the normal 10 and assume everyone's got a game, but that's not quite the case. So that's one thing I suppose to look out for. Obviously be aware of the Spurs double. That's a, that's a thing to kind of you know, take advantage of, albeit that the um the second of their games is just before their Carabao Cup final that they'll likely be taking very, very seriously. Obviously Mourinho is going to want that trophy. So another complication and another cup competition affecting things. Um in yeah, like I say, in terms of preparing, the only thing that will help you prepare obviously like last week is with the teams that aren't affected by that. So I suppose it's Arsenal United, Liverpool who have Champions League and Europa League implications. I guess, look out for those ro- bits of rotation and potential injuries and things there um, that, that could then impact what happens for those teams go- going forward um, for their um, more regular um, FPL fixture coming up in the next game week.
0: Absolutely. And I guess um, something that was pointed out to, to, to me yesterday on, on on Twitter was that, you know, a, a longer game week, a more drawn out game week means a more torturous game week. And I'm sure that there'll be plenty of ups and downs in game week 32. Um yes Andy you're waving yeah. at me on, sc- on 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 a wonderful uh, on a wonderful screen
1: yeah I just forgot there was one more thing I wanted to say as well is that well, there's so many complications there like I said Carabao Cup final after the next game wait game week fa cup semi-finals during the next game week champions league and europa league before the next game week and the fact that it means that the final game of the of game week 32 is on thursday the 22nd of april at eight o'clock but the first game of fpl game week 33 is on friday the 23rd of april i think eight o'clock again so literally like 24 hours later so you're going to have less than 24 hours turnaround for your deadline between those two game weeks so it is one one game week ahead now but we wouldn't have time almost to tell you next, on the on the review of the next game week to, to look ahead because you'll you'll be in that period already so just something to kind of be aware of there that you're going to have a really short turnaround time before the next deadline. Absolutely, absolutely.
0: Uh, yeah, I guess uh, that will also affect when you will be hearing from us. So, uh, so yeah, we'll we'll have to work out what we'll be doing ahead of game week 33. Um, until then, though, Andy, probably worth. Uh, I'm sure our listeners will have plenty of questions for us. So, if they want to get in touch with us, how can
1: they do so? Well, we would love to hear what you think about um, how your how your game week's gone. Have you wild card? Haven't you? Haven't you wild carded? And are you on the XG train now, like Chris Hopkins has become? Um you, you you can let us know on Twitter or Instagram at FPL underscore lounge.
0: Absolutely. Uh, yeah. And do remember to uh, to rate, review, and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts from, and do share it with other people that are playing FPL. Help. Uh, all. All, do, all. Go. All does something to help us grow um we're going to be back to preview game week 32 we're going to be recording on wednesday hopefully that will be with you on thursday um because the pubs are pubs are open again and i'm going out thursday night so it's going to be a it's going to be a huge week uh, in in i think it's england only isn't it andy i don't think scotland wales mm. Northern Ireland are, 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 are quite back to having having outdoor spaces of pubs open so uh you oh, know never mind sucks to be there um but yeah uh, we will be recording on wednesday so andy until then
1: thanks for joining us in the fpl lounge